No mai, haere mai. Welcome to the Maxim Institute podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm the communications manager at Maxim Institute. This is our weekly short-form podcast. These podcasts are released in tandem with our weekly column and are a chance for you to hear in-depth from the column's author about some of the thinking that went into producing their final piece. Today we talk to researcher Marianne Spurdle about her latest column. Marianne, welcome along to the podcast. Good to have you with us. Thanks, Jason. Now, we are talking about your latest column for Maxim, Winston versus the media again. (laughs) It seems like uh, the fun and games never stop with Winston Peters, but I love your opening paragraph here. You've got, um, talking about media, two fates haunt news publishers' concern for their viability. One is that a reporter fabricates content and find they are publishing in the business of publishing fiction, which we've seen this year uh, quite prominently. Uh, The other is that powerful interests hijack their content and they're found to be disseminating propaganda. Now, this seems to be the one that Winston's hit on, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How's he come to that conclusion? And he's not the only one. (laughs) He's just the person most likely to bring it up again because, so what he's talking about mainly is the Public Interest Journalism Fund, Mm, so-called Public Interest Fund, Yes. which the last government set up um, $55 million that anyone, any media could apply for. Mm. And it was supposed to be to help them get through COVID lockdowns. Is that what it was for? The impact of COVID lockdowns yeah. meant that a lot of businesses weren't able to advertise to, mm. to previous levels, which had a knock-on effect on media. Mm. Yeah, had a knock-on effect on, you know, everything economically has been yeah. in the dumps lately. So the, the reasoning went, and um, we're going to put this injection of funds into whichever media show that they can meet these public interest um, requirements. Requirements, yeah. And that will kind of buoy them up again. That that was the logic. Okay. And so the problem that you've identified with this, though, is really one of perception, isn't it? That the government is giving, ostensibly giving money to private companies. Yeah. And if you think about what the media is there for, I mean, it's called the fourth estate. Mm. It's there to be the watchdog for the government. Yeah. Now, we've got public-funded media. Yeah, TVNZ, Radio New Zealand. And everybody knows they are. There's transparency there. And they are literally in competition with media that aren't government-funded. If all media are now receiving funds from the government, the perception is that they might be sharing the government's narrative and not actually reporting completely truthfully and unbiasedly. Yeah. yeah. They could be completely unbiased. Oh, I mean, we know that <laughs> <laughs> people are journalists yeah. and no person is actually yeah. unbiased. Yeah. So we know that, you know, things trend one way or another, but the perception no longer is that we've got media separate from government. Mm. And so Winston, who luckily for him was not in government during the funds distributed. He was just before, but he wasn't then. So he's in a unique position as someone able to say um, the government at the time, which I was no longer part of, (laughs) um, put this out there for media and so that, you know, media would echo the government's narrative. Mm, mm. 
the trouble with the media now complaining about Winston's, because I mean, he called it bribery. Yeah, it's just, that's it's very just pretty strong. Blunt. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got his coalition partner, David Seymour, saying, oh, that's not entirely accurate. And David Seymour pointed out the fund apparently amounted to about 2% of the operating budget over those couple years. Mm. Not huge. Um, the argument could be made that that's not enough to actually change anything. But again, perception, perception. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And when you're a trust-based institution like the government, mm. um, like the media, if you undermine the trust that the people who are watching you or voting for you yeah. have in you, yeah. you're, I mean, that's your biggest asset. Yeah. And that, I, I guess, to your, your point about trust, that was essentially what the last election was kind of run on, wasn't it? We don't trust these this current government to deliver or to do what they say they're going to do or to be able to run things without in a transparent way. Like you kind of don't know. That was definitely, yeah. I think delivery, there were so many things, yeah. division, but was, there were so many things, yeah. but trust did undermine yeah. it. And, and, and I guess when you don't have trust, people stop paying attention to you. When you're media, yeah, definitely. Which is a big yeah. problem for the media. Well, paying attention to you in a certain way because yes. Winston Peters himself has trust issues. Yeah, yes, it was really right. interesting. Yeah. A survey before the election showed that 25% of the country um, or of those surveyed mm. actually believed him when he said that he wouldn't work with labor yeah. again. And that doesn't mean that 25% of the country trusted him because I actually believed that he wouldn't work with labor based on recent history. I thought, no, that would be silly. I don't trust him. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So of those you 25%, know, yeah. probably fewer than that actually trust him. So, yeah, Winston Peter, even his, Peters, even his um, voters don't necessarily trust him mm. and he does have their attention. But there's a difference between being able to grab headlines yeah. And being, um, as the media needs to, a source of information mm. for people. Yeah. And we've got many options for information. People are going to tune into the ones that they actually trust. Mm. Um, mm. And in, in that, it's a little different than politics, where somebody like Winston Peters can still. He can still be effective. Be a spokesman even if for, people, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't help your cause if you can't be trusted. But with, with media, it's absolutely critical yeah. because you're not going to waste your time reading or watching stuff that you think could be fiction. Yeah. Or you yeah. could you think could, could be, be paid propaganda. advertisements, right? Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And that actually happened uh, previously, didn't it? Where there were... Yeah. Uh, what shall we say, advertisements framed as news? Yeah, it so, came out after the fact yeah. that um, TVNZ Plus, one of the docos it had on its platform, was actually paid for by the government. Yeah. And then um, what else? It was Stuff, I think, as well as TVNZ. They were paid to feature um, content with hand-picked experts. Ah. Um, and there, there was a little tag on some of this content um, I can't remember the name of the branch of government that was behind it. If you did some digging, which someone eventually did, and yeah. went, hang on a minute, this this isn't normal programming. <laughs> yeah, it looks yeah. like it is, yeah. but it's not. So the fact that 
a lot of media are struggling, most media are struggling financially, mm-hmm. and the fact that um, the last government was really good at finding creative ways of packaging and disseminating its its messaging, that combination meant that a lot of news media kind of bent what normally would have been very strict rules about keeping that wall between editorial content and paid programming. Yeah. So big trust hit for the media. How can they turn this around? Because they they need to if they're going to have any credibility at holding the new government to account. Yeah. How, how can they do that? Well, and the trouble is, <laughs> once, once the perception's there, mm. it's there. Yeah. And it wasn't just Winston Peters saying it. You've got AUT's Research Centre for Journalism, Media and Democracy surveying Kiwis and found that, um, so in 2020, our trust of the news, the levels were 15% higher than international averages. Wow. So not too bad. Yeah. Um, three years later, 42% responded that they actually trust the news, which means 58% are either indifferent or definitely mm. don't. Mm. Um, and that's now, that's what the international average is. Yeah. So we've slumped significantly yeah. in three years. And one of the authors of the report said, paradoxically, one of the main reasons for distrust in news media appears to be the government's funding of it. A large number of respondents now perceive media as an extension of the government, hence it is seen as untrustworthy. So number one, just don't do that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. If you're not normally a recipient of government funds, uh, if the transparency isn't there that you know you're government funded, mm. just don't do it. Yeah. Um, it will come out. Yeah. There's always going to be someone like Winston Peters, just you know, poking around, waiting going, to jump yeah, on that yeah, information. Yeah. So keep those walls separate. If programming is paid for. Say it is and say by whom. Put a big banner on the front of it. This is paid programming. <laughs> and if it's not being paid for, then be very careful that, that journalists are impartial in the way they cover stuff. If someone from one party is critiqued for behavior, you know, if, if another party dis- displays the same behavior, critique them by the same standards. You know, the, the favoritism is very quickly picked up on Um by the voters who are on the other side of the yeah, criticism. Yeah. So, yeah, just a lot of um, day in, day out shooting for that level just of impartiality. Just doing the hard work, right? And yeah. actually doing your job. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's very tempting when times are tough to go for the easy money. And money isn't easy in media. And that, I mean, I started out in newspapers. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of respect for the work that's being done. And I understand that the majority of people doing that work, they're not doing it for the money. There isn't great money in it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I really respect the work that is being done and should be done. But at the same time, um, those standards have to be kept up for it to survive. Otherwise, you're just signing your own death warrant. Um, It's it's a tricky one. But at the end of the day, that trust is the biggest asset they have. Mm. And they need to get it back. Yeah. Marianne, thanks so much for being with us today. Great thoughts. Thanks, Jason. Two fates haunt news publishers concerned for their viability. 
One is that a reporter fabricates content and they find they're in the business of publishing fiction. The other is that powerful interests hijack their content and they're found to be disseminating propaganda. Winston Peters, having resurrected New Zealand First and claimed shotgun in the three-way coalition, wasted no time accusing news media of succumbing to the second vice. Labour's Public Interest Journalism Fund expired a few months before its government did. So the fund should be doubly dead. However, the media's infusion of state cash benefited few people as much as the adversarial deputy prime minister. He will not let it go. You can't defend $55 million of bribery, Peters barked at reporters after being sworn in. He carried on the next day. Can you possibly tell the public what you signed up to to get the money? Perception is everything. Whatever the true reason for the government's various investments in media and their real-world effect, graft is in the eye of the beholder. Cash-strapped media decision-makers seem to have forgotten that a news outlet's most valuable asset isn't on the books. It's their audience's trust. Ad revenue comes and goes, but trust, once lost, is harder to claw back than the legacy media's market share. And eroding trust equals eroding audience numbers. Winston Peters has strong populist credentials, and he's well known for criticizing and baiting the media. But his talking points here aren't simply rabble-rousing. AUT's Research Center for Journalism, Media, and Democracy identified this issue as cause of distrust back in April 2023. JMAD's survey of New Zealanders found that in 2020, the percentage who trusted the news was 15% higher than the international average. In the past three years, that trust has plummeted to the current average, only 42% responded positively in 2023. The cause of the decline? Paradoxically, one of the main reasons for distrust in news media appears to be the government's funding of it, noted report co-author Dr. Merja Millilat. A large number of respondents now perceive media as an extension of the government, hence it is seen as untrustworthy. That perception wasn't helped by the framework for those who applied for PIJF funds. For news media, it is not simply a matter of reporting fairly, it explains. How does the organization cover the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples and efforts to enact it, such as Te Puapua? Media organizations surrender fairness at their peril. Whether or not the government's fund actively stifled criticism of the way it was seeking to implement Hepuapua and other policies, the framework's own wording reveals the fund wasn't politically agnostic. Media that want a piece of this controversial pie are paying for it now. Peters, who himself has public trust issues, has never been above throwing mud. Their participation provided him with grenades. Thanks for listening to the Maxim Institute podcast. If you'd like to hear more from us and keep up with the rest of our research and analysis of politics and policy in New Zealand, you can sign up on the homepage of our website to get our monthly forum email and invitations to future Maxim Institute events. You can search and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the team at Maxim, Matewa, goodbye for now. <laughs>